Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 4, Term 4. This is Lesson 32. We are going to um, pick up where we left off in Luke chapter 6 and verse 7. And remember again, it says there, So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. William Hendrickson writes, Imagine their hypocrisy and insincerity. They couldn't do anything to help this man. That's the man with the withered hand. And they resented anyone who could. They sought some ground on which to condemn the Lord of life. If he healed on the Sabbath, they would rush in to kill like a pack of wolves. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It is reminiscent of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 verse 15. And that is, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. What's interesting, what's very interesting here, is that there wasn't any doubt in their minds that Jesus could heal this man. Meaning that they knew he had the ability to do it. And neither was there any doubt that Jesus would heal this man, that he was willing to do so. The only question was, would he do it on the Sabbath? So that's very interesting. Huh? Two things. It's really important to sort of understand that as well. Because in here we're getting some insight into something that is very important now. And that is this. Not only could Jesus heal, but Jesus wasn't standing there looking at the man with the withered hand and saying, what did you do wrong to end up in this, in this situation? What sins do you need to confess before I heal you? Do you understand? It wasn't that he not only could heal, he didn't care he was going to heal this guy regardless. Are you all with me? What I want to bring out in that just for a moment, and we'll get into this a lot more in a lot more detail further on, but it's really important for us to understand not to stand in judgment when we are praying over people. I was taught to do that. <laughs> okay? Actually to be in judgment, to actually check to see if somebody's done something wrong. And you know, if they confess their sin and if they get right with God, then we'll lay hands on them and, and you know, so on and so forth. But Jesus didn't do that. He, as far as we know, there's no, no, not one account where He actually said, you know, don't sin and I'll heal. He healed and then said, don't sin. That's right. You know, it was something like that. Which is really interesting, the reverse of that. Which shows us something, that Jesus was never judgmental about anyone. He was looking at things, not the way we look at things. We look at things in terms of, kind of a cause and effect. Right? But the wrong cause and effect. We look at what have you done to uh, you know, put yourself in the position or get you to the place where you're like this, unwell or whatever, okay, got a disease or something. But what Jesus sees as cause and effect isn't what the person did to get them this way. He looks at what the devil did to put mankind in a situation where they're getting sick. Do you understand? So he sees the cause as coming from outside as demonic, which is again 1 John 3 8, for this cause 
the Son of Man was manifest, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Alright? And so, see, this is the reason why... And so, I want you to see this today. Okay, I want you to get this revelation. You ready for this? Get this revelation. That the reason Jesus never questioned people before He healed them, was as far as He was concerned, they shouldn't be sick to begin with. Do you get that? Regardless of what they did right or wrong, they shouldn't be sick. Do you get it? So if you think that way, then the first thing you do is get them healed. Because they shouldn't be sick. Right? Then you go and talk about what might have caused that. And say, stay away from that. Lest the worst thing might come on you, sort of thing. You know what I'm saying? And I might not be here. Going to get crucified in a couple of years, you know? Okay? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay? So, mind you, all of us are meant to be able to lay hands and say, can do exactly that. But I want us to come to the place where we understand that when we lay hands, don't listen for a spirit that's there saying, well, they're not going to heal because, you know, you know what they did? Do you know they did this and they did that? No wonder they're not getting healed. Are you with me? You start listening to that. And it becomes a conversation like Adam and Eve or Eve had with the devil. Did God say? And all the questions begin. And then you question yourself and things don't work. Because it didn't say the one that questions will their hands and sick and they'll recover. Get this? Those who believe. These signs follow those who believe. And if there's anything getting in the way of them believing, the sign won't follow. Get it? Okay, so I'm bringing some, something to you. I'm hoping you get a hold of this. That's why I said I'm not in a rush to get through this because I want you to learn things and learn principles so that when you're, st- when you're about to pray for someone, and this is why it makes it very difficult to pray for people that you know a little too well. Can I say that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and oh dear God, you know, the devil is going to town with now you know that they did this and you read it on Facebook that they did that and you know you heard from that person they did this and all of that stuff when they're coming up to get healed. And you know they come up like little lambs. Like, you know, we didn't do anything wrong. Could you pray for us and get us healed? Blink, blink, blink. You know, okay. They, you know, that they, they, they kind of, you know, they flutter their little eyelids and everything and are you all here? And you're thinking, oh, you wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, I don't know if God does anything for you, you know. That, there's no healing there today. Not with that all going on. Amen. Which is why it's a little bit more difficult and you need to hear me nice and loud and clear what I'm saying to you right now. When you lay hands, when, when you are praying for someone, forget about all their mistakes. Just forget about it right now. You need to exercise your faith unhindered for this mountain to move. And shall not doubt. Get it? Okay. And so when you're praying, you just do this. This is, this is what I want you to take away from this today. Alright. That the way Jesus sees things is different to the way we see things. And we need to see things the way He sees things. He created a perfect world. We were not meant to be sick. Why are we sick? Because a curse came in. And now people are looking for reasons why you're sick instead of the root cause of it. We're hacking at the branches. And he just goes directly back to where it came from. And he says, you know what? This should have never been a part of your life. So he gets rid of it. 
Now, healed, let's talk to you. Because sick, sick people don't listen so well. But if a miracle has taken place, it's interesting how people sit up and listen. Amen? It even says in Acts, <laughs> when, when Peter, remember the, the guy at the gate, beautiful? Silver and gold, have I none? Okay. And the, and the religious leaders arrested them for, okay, this, and, and you know, for what they'd done. And because there was, a, there was, religions always have a problem with you doing godly things, okay? But it's really interesting. They said, we can't beat him. And we, because they said, a notable miracle has taken place. You know, this guy was lame from his mother's womb. This guy wasn't walking around, then faked it for a couple of years. And then, you know, okay, oh look, I'm healed, I'm healed. Okay, there was this guy from the time he was born, he's been this way. So that was a huge thing. So when notable miracles take place, people sit up and listen. Are you all here? Even the religious ones, so to speak, okay? Whether for good or bad, okay? So I want you to understand something from this, that he not only could, he would. And we need to be the same way. Non-judgmental in the way we approach people, in the way we pray for people. Amen? And even if you know they've done wrong things, deal with it, but later. Get them past this first. Now, if there is a direct tie-in to something, okay, that they're doing something, that you might need to give them some instruction, again, I would suggest, even if it's really obvious, still wait till after. Because if you start talking to them about what you know, they'll start getting into guilt, and they won't be receptive. Now, you've got it off your chest, but put it on theirs. Get it? So be careful why you're doing things as well. Okay. <clears throat> so, as I've said here, it is with evil intent. So again, remember he said, the only question was, would he do it on the Sabbath? And so it is with evil intent that they very closely and insidiously watch Jesus just so that he could, they could find an accusation to bring against him before the Sanhedrin. That was the big court, okay, the religious court. As William Hendrickson so brilliantly puts it, as they saw it, all right, had he not uh, arrogated to himself the exclusively divine authority to forgive sins, remember that? Okay? Did he not eat and drink with publicans and sinners? I've given you scriptures for everything. Had he not previously transgressed the Sabbath regulations held in honor by them? Hello? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Besides, surely this case could wait. I mean, it's not them. It's somebody else that needs his healing. They can wait. Isn't it funny when it's you, it's not quick enough. When it's somebody else, they can wait. What's the hurry? Okay. The man's life was not in danger. Here then, so reason the scribes and Pharisees is their chance to build up a charge against Jesus. Wow. See, these are all the reasonings that's going through their head. You know, it'd be like the person, you're doing a good deed, and they're sitting there with their little glasses, with their little notepad, and they're scribbling things down, looking at you at the side of their eye, you know, like, and you're thinking, you're starting to get nervous now, oh, what am I doing wrong? 
And you're doing everything right. And they're scribbling notes. Are you with me? Okay, just give you a little picture there. I'm into pictures today. All right. <laughs> now to give us a little, bit, a little more insight into their thinking, Leon Morris says that the rabbis permitted healing on the Sabbath if life was in danger. But if there was no danger, the man could well have waited until the next day. When they still would be sick because nobody heals them. Sorry, I added that. <laughs> okay? No, seriously. I mean, why? You know, seriously, that's a dumb law when nobody's getting healed anyway. And so the Pharisees are eager to add this charge to all the other transgressions that they had already documented against him in an effort to present their case before the Sanhedrin and have him dealt with legally, once and for all, if only he would heal this man. So that's what they're thinking. Okay? But what they failed to understand was that as far as God was concerned, refusal to do good was equivalent to sin. Interesting, huh? And by extension, doing evil. That's in James 4.7. Can I just read that? Read down the bottom of your book. I've given it there. It says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, if you don't know, it's different. But if you know to do good and you don't do it, that's a sin. It's a sin of the heart. Are you all here? Okay. So, can I reread? So, what they failed to understand was that as far as God was concerned, refusal to do good was equivalent to sin, and by extension, doing evil. And that it is they that were having their transgressions recorded against them in their heavenly record for which they would be judged by the supreme judge of all, God Himself. See, while they're... Watch this, okay? While they're sitting down and writing their accusations, there are angels standing next to them, scribbling down accusations against them for the very thing that they're doing. Do you hear me? They want to take it to a human court these angels are taking it back to God's court. Wow. Get it? Returning to Luke chapter 6, and continuing on to verse 8, it says there, But he knew their thoughts. This is the one thing about Jesus. You couldn't hide anything from him. Whatever you were up to, whatever you were sneaking around doing, he knew everything that was going on. Interesting, isn't it? See, can I just say this? The reason that he knew was because he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Remember in the, in, in the River Jordan, remember he was filled with the Spirit before he went to battle with Satan in the wilderness? Okay, so he's got the Spirit working within him now. Alright, and it's without measure. And what are the, the gifts or the manifestations of the Spirit? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of those things. That's past, present and future. If I could teach on the, on the gifts, I don't like to call them gifts because they're actually manifestations, but if I could, you all know them as gifts, so I'll just refer to them as gifts. But if I was to teach on the gifts of the Spirit, one of those sets deal with having knowledge, past, present, and future. They're three different things. Okay? And that's what Jesus was operating in. He was operating in the gifts of the Spirit, or the manifestations of the Spirit, because it was in there. He could heal because the Spirit was there. Remember before then, he, couldn't, he wouldn't heal anyone. And he couldn't heal anyone. Amen? And that's why it said that Acts says, 
how God anointed Jesus, anointed him so that he could go and do all these things. The first thing he preaches after he's anointed is, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Yeah? Okay. So, this is why he knew their thoughts. I'm saying all of that to say you can know people's thoughts too. Amen. You need to exercise and allow that manifestation to work in your life. As you start to, as this starts to work in your life, you know, once you know something, it will start to work. I am giving you some, I'm giving you knowledge right now that I'm hoping will open a door that you start to know things. Things that maybe you dismissed and thought, how could I know that? Because you didn't know that the Spirit of God is there talking to you. Amen? And other people say, oh, you couldn't know that. Because they don't know. Because they don't have the Spirit. Because they're dead. <laughs> okay, spiritually. You know what I'm saying? Alright, so don't ever listen to people that don't have the Spirit of God working on the inside of them. Alright, they don't know what's going on. But you know what? It says that you'll always do. You'll always, be, you'll always know things to come. Because that, those manifestations are working in your life. And they're not there for the church. They're there for when you need them out there, where it's bad. <laughs> okay? People are trying to kill you and do bad things. For when you're about to change lanes in your car and you get a word of knowledge, don't. And you stay in your lane and something goes past you and you think, Oh my God, if I swapped lanes, that would have run right into me. The number of times that has happened to me. I'm serious. And a lot of times you guys are doing that without realizing it. You are, you are stopping yourself from doing something that you would normally do, but it never flags. You don't ever attribute that to something godly is going on in the inside of you, letting you know, don't do this, something bad will happen. And you, and you just do it and go, oh, wow, look at that, I was almost about to do that. Oh, thank God I didn't do that or whatever. We say it, but we don't realize that we actually thank the right person. It was exactly that. Amen? Alright. Okay, told you I got to preach on this one. I warned you. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, so in this tense situation, knowing their thoughts, Jesus goes on the offensive and forces them to voice what was on their minds. With Matthew chapter 12 and verse 10 going on to say, And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? They weren't looking for knowledge. They weren't saying, you know, Jesus, we want to do this too. Is it okay to do it? That's not what they're asking. Okay. In his commentary, that's what they should have asked and how they should have asked. Anyway, in his commentary, William Hendrickson puts it so well when he says, do they fail to realize that their own wicked motivation is the, great, the grossest Sabbath desecration of all? Can I say it again? Their own wicked motivation is the grossest Sabbath desecration of all. A sin so damning that in the sight of the Almighty, it constitutes a most grievous charge against them. And so before Jesus answered them, instead of backing, out, backing down, it says in Luke 6, 8, that He said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise. Now notice he's, they've asked him a question. He's answering with a sign. What they want to do is argue points of doctrine. What he's going to do is say, rather than argue whether or not and it should or it shouldn't, I'm just going to show you something. 
If you have the insight to understand what I'm about to do, it will answer your question. So he says to the man with the withered hand, Arise! Mark 3.3 adding, Step forward and stand here. (laughs) Okay? So they ask him a question. Jesus turns to the man, not to them, to the man and says, Get up, come here. Got that? Okay. Jesus now goes on the offensive and he's going to challenge their thinking and expose their wrong interpretations of the law. He's going to do this with this man in front. Now, you know, I was thinking, why did Jesus bring this man up front? Because he wants them to see who they are fighting against. They're not fighting against him, really. They are trying to take something away from a man who has this disability. Are you all here? So he's saying, you come here and you stand here. Let them see what they do. See, because to them, it's all in their head. It's argue here, argue there. You know, and they come up with such ridiculous laws that people are going, these people are stupid, the stuff they come up with. I'm sure somebody said that. Don't you think? (laughs) Okay, you know. Some of the dumb rules and laws. Can you imagine an outsider looking in with all these rules going on? What do you think they would think? Not join that dumb religion. Hello. Amen? You know, you need to do that sometimes. Just step out and have a look. See what's actually going on. Okay. Again, Jesus goes on offensive. He's going to challenge their thinking, expose their wrong interpretations. And so it says in Luke 6, 9, Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. While this man is standing here. Is it lawful... All right, which is the same question they asked him. All right, which he now puts to them, causing them to have to go on the defensive and forcing them to examine their tradition regarding the Sabbath, to see if it was consistent with God's Old Testament law. All right, and so he and so says again: Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? See, they had degrees of good and degrees of evil. Alright? And they had got so caught up in it, they couldn't even tell what was good and bad at the end. It was just like a mess in their brain. So Jesus, and this is something, this is a very good rule of law. You know, when things get too complicated, go back to the beginning. Ask yourself the first question that was asked, why did we do this? What was at the beginning? What was behind this to begin with? It's got all messed up over here. Let's go back to here. What was it? That's what he's doing. Let's go right back to the beginning, before you guys messed everything up. And he asks a very simple question, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to evil? To save life or to destroy? Interesting, huh? Or as Mark 3, 4 puts it, to kill. To save or to kill? What's better? I mean, that's a duh answer, okay? John MacArthur explains that Christ used a device common in the Middle East. He framed the issue in terms of clear-cut extremes. The obvious implication is that failure to do good or save life was wrong. Can we all agree on that? It was just a simple thing, alright? And not in keeping with God's original intention for the Sabbath. So he's saying, in other words, he's saying, listen, okay? If your rules and laws ever get in the way of somebody receiving something good, question it. 
There's something wrong with what you guys are doing. Remember again, Jesus said that man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man so it could bless man. See, God didn't create a Sabbath and then said, let's put a man to obey it. Right? He made man and said, okay, let's give him some rules that will make sure that he lives a healthy, happy life and he keeps his focus in the right place, kind of thing. In fact, by asking the question, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, Jesus was trying to help them see the intents and purposes of their own hearts and stop them from going down a path that would ultimately lead them to hell itself. You all know that? Okay. Remember, I've given you a reference, cross-reference in Luke 13, 28. It says, There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you, yourselves, thrown out. Right? So he's trying to stop them from getting to that place. Are you all here? Okay. William Hendrickson writes, This doing harm and killing was exactly what these enemies were right now engaged in. In their hearts they were doing harm to the Messiah, sent by the Father. They were engaged in killing Him. This is incredible, isn't it? God's Messiah, the promised one, the one that they had been going on and on and on about, is here, now they want to kill Him. Not because he's (laughs) doing very bad things and making a mockery of the true word and law of God. That he's an embarrassment to them. That he's smoking, he's drinking, he's... Okay, can we add whatever else you want in there? Okay. And he's like, oh my God, that's not a Messiah. Somebody needs to just kind of wipe him out and let's hope nobody remembers that. This man is getting people saved that nobody else would even step into their house. Tax collectors are getting saved. Women of questionable repute, can I say, are getting saved. People are getting saved left, right and center. People are getting healed all over the place. Wow! And you want to kill him for that? What are you embarrassed about? Is it what you should have been doing? And he's showing you up for everything that you should have been doing? And now, in order to put a stop to your guilt and your failure, let's go kill the thing that is showing all that up. Not confess our sin and say, sorry God, we see how much we've fallen short. Amen? Forgive us for everything we've done wrong for so long. You know, God, we haven't had you know, a prophet for 400 years, so you know, give us a little break. And God will say, you can have all the breaks you want. All I need you to do is turn around. Amen? And all will be good. That's all Jesus ever wanted. Remember, he was God manifested in the flesh. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Let's finish here, because I have run out of time. Verses 21 and 22, and that is, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But he says, But I say to you, 
that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Do you think the Pharisees and Sadducees would fall in that category? I think so. Absolutely. Amen? And <laughs> exactly. They think they have a cause. Yep. And that's what's so sad. You know, that they never examine where all this is really coming from, where their anger is coming from, where their hatred is coming from, why they can't rejoice in a miracle. Hmm? In fact, the Apostle John goes a step further. I need to just finish with this because it is in line with what I've just said. And says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15, and we'll finish with this, he says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll conclude there. And we'll